0: Good morning, Austin. The time is 7 a.m. on Sunday, November 1st, and you're listening to Records and Rebounds on KVRX Austin, HD1, and HD2. Um, got a lot of big plans for the show. Uh, this this past week, I created a logo. Um, took forever. Like, jeez. I've done like a little bit of graphic design before, but like, oh man, I forgot how like time-consuming it takes. But hopefully, it's looking good. Um yeah i mean yeah like it's it means a lot to me you know i think it looks nice if you haven't seen it go check it out it's on the website um very minimalistic it's what i was going for um yeah enough about that that's not what the focus of the show is about today we're going to be talking about um basically the upcoming draft um essentially i'll get more into it like when we get to it but this draft is like notoriously known for being weak, um, but it's it's really interesting to me because like this is my first draft. I've never really like paid attention to any other draft before this, and so um, obviously I'm not like super skilled at being able to like interpret like what's a good pick, um, what's what's not a good pick. I guess I mean I'm not incredibly an expert at any of that. Like just being frank with you, but luckily I do have a, a really nice resource that'll help me guide me through it. And I think it's going to be really interesting, so go ahead and stay tuned until then. Um, Until then, though, I'm going to go ahead and, as usual, give a a brief news update of everything that's been going on in this past week. it has been a couple of events, um, some more coaching updates, so let's go ahead and dive right into that. First things first, the NBA is targeting December 22nd for the start of the 2021 season and a 72-game campaign that finishes before the 21 Olympics. Um, this is really interesting. So, obviously, something like this has never happened before, um, hopefully never will happen again, so everything is essentially being made up on the fly. And while uh, shortened seasons are not new to the NBA, there have been plenty of lockouts that have reduced the amount of games that have been played in a season, um, The, I guess the biggest thing to worry about here is the fact that the playoff teams have only really recently concluded their run. Um, that was what, like early October, I believe I'm losing track of time. So please bear with me if it wasn't, um, but yeah, I mean, they really don't have that much time. They only have what, two months in before finishing a finals run and getting right back in the regular season for, for an off season. That's nothing at all. And you also have to cram in the fact that you have a draft class coming up. You have a free agency coming up that there still really hasn't been any official word on it's going to be really difficult for a lot of teams just to have to compile everything together so short, on such short notice. Um, I've heard a lot of cries for people to push this this date back to January. Some, some say even like February. Um, I'm sure the NBA wants to capitalize on that Christmas Day money if they can. I really have no idea whether or not this is going to work or not. I mean, obviously... More basketball is always a good thing. I'm definitely going to be watching as soon as it starts up again, whenever that may be. But I do think December 22nd may be relatively too soon. Um, Of course, another news piece, I guess, is that the All-Star game really hasn't been decided on what the fate of it is. And, I mean, that's really just, like, a way of visualizing the fact that, like, nothing is set in stone right now. Everything is incredibly uncertain. No one really knows, like, what's gonna, what this next season is going to look like. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a guest on uh, next week that will touch on some of uh, what the future of this season may look like, and as well as the free agency class, but stay tuned, that'll be a week from now, just just getting your hopes up now, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, like, people don't even know, like, what the plan is for, like, how to even run these games to limit the coronavirus outbreak, because obviously the reason a Bubble was so effective was the fact that you have everyone contained, no one comes in or out. And you can see that sports that don't really use this this bubble strategy, like the NBA and, the, and um, the MLB, they're running into coronavirus outbreaks left and right. You have teams that are having to cancel their games because their players are catching the coronavirus. It is going to be a mess, <laughs> quite frankly. I mean, if... We if the the league can't figure out something to just control that somehow there was an idea floated of kind of doing like a baseball style thing for example like if a team um went to new york to be playing like their road games with the nets and the knicks back to back i'm not sure how effective that would be just to like sort of limit uh the spread by containing travel um but it may be effective i mean at this point in at this point in time like I guess the only given is that there isn't going to be fans, which of course is still a bummer, but yeah, I, I genuinely think this next season is going to be, it's going to be interesting <laughs> to say the least for sure. Before I actually go into the next article of news, I want to just kind of go back to something that I said about, uh, the league restart, just cause I just saw this, this news article, um, has having to deal with the fact that the NBA is really pushing for the December 22nd start to capitalize on Christmas Day games apparently the NBA League office has informed the Board of Governors of the projected value for starting this early and if they were to start December 22nd rather than later than that they would get an increased 500 million in revenue um, or value I'm not sure if there's really a really difference between the terms but just just to clarify the, the official wording is value um, which is honestly insane I mean that that really shows why exactly the NBA wants that that start date just because around that time when everyone's together you you're gonna be watching either like football or basketball or something you know so I mean it makes sense but I mean not to repeat myself but I, I really just don't know if that's the correct idea but anyways we can move on all right this next piece of news is really interesting to me um so Mike D'Antoni and Ime Udoka are finalizing deals to become assistant coaches under Steve Nash with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Together, D'Antoni and Nash were the architects of the seven seconds or less offense with the Phoenix Suns in the mid-2000s. Wow. This is going to be a fun team to watch, honestly. Um, Of course, I am a diehard fan of Mike D'Antoni. Well, I wouldn't say diehard. I mean, obviously, the dude has his faults. But just I love what the man does and bringing him back with – Steve Nash who he ran the, um, the seven seconds offense with I think <laughs> this is like a match made in heaven I mean obviously Steve Nash is the uh, the coach of course like he's not playing anymore dude's like in his 40s I think um but coupling that sort of like offensive mentality with the two superstar players and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant especially and of course you got up and coming Karis Levert you got uh Joe Harris um Spencer Didwitty is a pretty solid uh point guard off the bench um, Torian Prince, you got like, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen is so fun to watch, and from UT, I believe. Um, woo woo there. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, like, I'd say that probably outside of the Rockets, the, the Nets are probably, uh, one of the teams that I'm keeping up with the most. Um, I think it's mostly just from playing 2K with them because any team with, uh, KD and, and Kyrie Irving is going to be overpowered in, in 2K. Um, but I think there are, they're gonna be a really, really interesting team to watch. Um, I mean, number one, you have this coaching breakthrough. I mean, um, it, it's a little hard to see like Mike D'Antoni like stepping down from like a head coaching position to like an assistant coach position, but I'm sure like this is something that he's definitely interested in doing. Um, it's gonna be great to have him in that position for for the Nets, um, especially trying Steve Nash as a untried coach, um, seeing how what happens with that definitely be really interesting to see just from like a coaching perspective but also a personality perspective um I've heard a lot of people making the claim that the Nets are in a crash and burn because you have two um the two clashing sort of um characteristics of like Kyrie Irving which is very very brash um very argumentative opinionated he's known to be kind of like this um awful presence in the locker room um this is kind of like exemplified like after he left the celtics uh last year or um two years ago um and you have kd who's like kind of like this really reserved um not necessarily like a go-to like leader like the dude is phenomenal at scoring like he's amazing but he doesn't really have like that same sort of like leadership characteristic that someone like uh chris paul has you know um and I believe, yeah, he's coming off an a Achilles tear, which is definitely, that's heartbreaking. Um, it's going to be really, uh, if he doesn't come back fully to form, it's going to be really difficult to watch, honestly. Um, but I'm sure, like, even if Katie's still playing at, like, 80 to 75% of his former self, like, he's still going to be putting up, like, monster numbers. Um, like, honestly, like, he is probably, he's definitely, like, a top 10 scorer, like, of all time. Like, dude is a offensive menace. And it's going to be really interesting to see this pairing. Um, Yeah, especially from, like, a personality, like, just point of view. And, of course, like, Dinwiddie, like, just watching him on Twitter, like, (laughs) endorse, like, Bitcoin and, like, talk about stuff like that. Like, it's always fun to watch. So you have, like, a bunch of very strong personalities in one team. And a lot of people are saying that, like, that's really going to contribute to, like, a complete breakdown. Um, So, I mean, yeah, like, we really have to see, like, if this new coaching staff could really uh, get under these personalities like make sure like everyone plays along um these these claims might even be unfounded like who knows like there's a chance that like everything works out totally fine and the the nets end up being like the one seed or the two seed in the east um i mean even like even if like things don't work out the best for them like they still like just off manpower alone they're probably going to be at least a four seed which is honestly pretty solid i mean it is the east so i mean the competition's not all there but um they're they're definitely going to be definitely better than this year <laughs> anyways i think that's probably just about enough for uh, the nets definitely going to be a really interesting team to watch um this is actually something that just came up today as i'm recording on friday um it's gonna be i mean you'll see this later when i talk about the draft but this is involving lamello ball who is of course like in the draft um very highly ranked as a prospect but according to this rumor uh, lamello ball is struggling in interviews and could slip in the draft um i mean obviously you're going to have to wait and listen to my my draft um, analysis um, to see, like, everything that, like, what what teams see in LaMelo, like, what teams are afraid of in LaMelo. But, I mean, as someone who is projected to be one of the top picks, this is kind of difficult to see. I mean, he may very well, like, slip down to being, like, a low, uh, like, 8th, ninth pick, which, for someone who is, like, projected by some to be the number one pick, I mean, is going to be difficult i mean um just definitely need to see like pay attention to that um not really too much to say here like i'm not really too uh knowledgeable of the details but yeah so keep the keep this idea in mind as you go into uh the next segment before that we have a few more pieces of news to go next up um some more houston rockets news woohoo the dallas mavericks assistant steven silas is finalizing a deal to become the next head coach of the houston rockets um, like I talked about last week, back when there was the three main candidates in the form of uh, Steven Silas. I don't I don't know if it's Stefan or Steven, but I'm going to say Steven. I'm not entirely sure. I could be wrong. But anyways, uh, Steven Silas, John Lucas, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy. Um, yeah, so I, last week I brought up like my, like why each would be a good fit for Houston. Um, and I'm honestly, I, I can't be too mad with a pick like this. Um, of course, as I brought up last time, the Mavericks are... The best ranked offense in the league right now, and I'm sure, and part of that is due to the the excellent coaching staff that they have over there. Um, and so, bringing another offensively minded coach to Houston, which is a very, very offensive heavy team, could really prove beneficial, especially if we start using our star power less, in the form of only doing like sticking strictly to Mori ball. I mean, we could do a lot more uh, interesting plays. Um, I believe this is his first head coaching job, so he's definitely not test in that regard but i think he has had pretty good success like as an assistant coach um but i mean yeah like it it makes sense that we didn't hire jeff Van gundy i'm sure he was asking for a lot more and um i suppose like even if we did hire him we probably don't necessarily need a very defensively minded coach right now i think just getting a rallying a team around this new offensive philosophy because i'm i'm certain that we're not going to continue like maury ball like to the extent that it was practiced, like, under D'Antoni and Mori I think it's very possible that just giving our roster construction will continue a sort of small ball lineup, but I really don't think that we'll be sticking to it as strictly as possible. It's really interesting to see, like, James Harden uh, actually shooting mid-rangers for the first time in, like, forever, it feels like. Um, hopefully, we don't really regress back into, like, that sort of, like, isolation-style ball, but I don't, I'm not too worried about that. Um, so I'm optimistic, I mean, for at least this coaching pick. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm still not optimistic about the rest of the future for the Rockets, though. Um, I mean, yeah, like I talked about last week, I mean, the coaching woes are just the start of it. I mean, um, you're trying a new general manager now, even though Daryl Moore is, like, one of the best in the league. It's really, really sad to see him go. Um, Dan Tony, of course, is a solid coach in his own right, but, I mean, he can get a little caught up on doing one specific thing, which is what plagued the Rockets for the most part. Yeah. Um, the ownership is still not ideal, to say the least. Um, and like I mentioned, like we're stuck with those two like massive contracts that really limit what we can do in terms of our roster construction. Um, but speaking of roster construction for the Rockets, um, here's another piece of news that is really interesting, especially given last week's subject matter. Um, this Philadelphia 76ers are in advanced talks on a deal to hire Daryl Morey to oversee the franchise's basketball operations wow um so that kind of blows um (laughs) the rumors out of the water that Daryl Morey was just like leaving the Rockets just like take a step away from basketball um uh, it's pretty likely at this point that he just kind of like it was a very spur of the moment like I don't want to deal with the ownership anymore so definitely glad to see him staying back in basketball um this is this is honestly huge um so when I looked into it apparently like president of basketball operations isn't the same thing as a general manager of course but like they can tend to have like some really similar roles so there's a pretty good chance that like as this role um he sort of like takes away some of like the um the management pressure from Elton Brand and sort of like oversees some of like the trades and the um the construction that the the 76ers are doing and yeah it's it's going to be incredibly interesting to see um i'm also fascinated by the 76ers they're in a relatively similar circumstances the Rockets um in terms of like two really good players bogged down by like um just awful contracts in this case they're with other players though um yeah I mean it's gonna be really interesting to see like I've heard a lot of trade rumors of like like Harden to the 76ers for um Ben Simmons or something like I don't know if that's going to happen or not, I mean, obviously, we can speculate all you want. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't really know how this is going to turn out. I mean, obviously, Daryl Moore is, like, an excellent general manager. Um, but supposedly one of the reasons that, like, Doc got um, removed from the uh, the Clippers coaching staff is because he refused to listen to, like, the analytics team uh, of the Clippers. And pairing him with Daryl Moore is going to be really interesting to see like whether or not he decides to like start listening to analytics anymore now. Um, Cause I mean with someone like Moore, you kind of have to, I mean, that's his entire, that's his entire shtick really. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely interesting to see um, how the 76 years like go about, especially after this year is absolutely heartbreaking. I had them going a lot further than they, than they did. Um, they just ran into a much better team in the Boston Celtics. I mean, not much you can really do there, um, and I think changing changing all of the um, the coaching and um, to an extent like the the overall operations of the team could prove very beneficial for them. Um, definitely another team to look out for. Um, yeah, just gotta really see at this point like what they do in terms of trading, because I really love to see Ben Simmons and um, Joel Embiid together. But I mean, it hasn't worked out super well. They're both amazing players in their own right, and most likely I've heard people saying that like the most likely idea of what's going to happen is um, they stay together for the year for at least this year just to see like how things work under a new coaching staff Um, not necessarily just blowing up the whole thing like coaching staff and players and everything it's kind of just like doing one step at a time to like identify the problem so yeah very well possible that this year goes much better for them which I would love to see that very interesting team Uh, definitely need to keep an eye on them I think that just about covers it in terms of major news for this week. So let's go ahead and get into our main segment on the NBA draft. Alright everybody, so for this week's segment we're going to be going through the 2020 NBA draft. This is actually the first NBA draft that I've actually paid attention to, so please bear with me if my uh, my knowledge of what makes a good draft pick is a little little rusty, I guess. Um, so to help me, I'm going to be going through Kevin O'Connor's... Um, draft rankings it's basically basically a mock draft of every single person in the top 30 that he projects to be uh, to be picked and i have pretty limited knowledge of most of these people i've i've watched footage of the first top 10 um and i mean they all seem great i mean it's going to be really difficult for me to like kind of parse about about which one is like individually better than others or something so that's why i'm going to be going through um, his list to give some of his opinions Um, I think a big thing to keep in mind about this draft that I've heard a lot is that it's actually fairly weaker than most other drafts. For example, uh, last year you had basically Zion and then Jaw, and then after that it kind of just fell off. This year it's a lot more ambiguous, I guess you could say. Um, There's not really a major standout player. There's kind of like a bunch of maybe 10 or so people who are kind of like in that pretty decent tier, but... They're not necessarily that like stand out like way above the rest. They're not like a superstar or anything like coming straight out of college. So basically just to kick it off, um, a few more words of advice. This mock draft also uses um, hypothetical trades. And so some of these teams that are drafting may not necessarily have this current draft pick right now. Uh, For example, this first pick that's coming up is actually a trade, a trade up by another team. Um, so it may not be indicative of where a team is actually drafting and and their current place. Um, without further ado, I don't think there's too much else to say. So let's go ahead and get into it. Coming in at number one, the Charlotte Hornets send up their third pick and an unprotected first round pick for 2022 to the Timberwolves to get the first round pick. And with that pick, they choose James Wiseman from Memphis. Um, I've I've watched the footage of this dude, and he is. Quite simply put, an athletic marvel. He has insane measurables. He is seven um, one. He has a seven six wingspan. That is absolutely ridiculous. um Dude is a a beast. Completely. He's an active rebounder. Uh, very high energy. Um, pretty b- pretty big offensive role. He's a screener who rolls hard at the rim and he can finish with lobs or w- with a pretty good touch that he has. Um, he has very strong post up potential, I mean obviously the dude is massive, um, not sure a lot of people want to be posting up with him. He has a pretty decent shot, um, pretty good mechanics, pretty soft touch, but he doesn't necessarily have the range, doesn't really shoot that much from the mid range or from three, which is pretty understandable for a big, um, not necessarily a make or break at this point, I mean even though the league is tending, to more t- tending towards more three pointers, I think it's pretty pretty okay for a big not to be able to have like a fully there shot. He's a pretty good athletic rim protector whose presence can deter opponents. Um, he has one of the biggest issues that he has is his um, his IQ, I guess you could say, not like necessarily like his smartness, because he's an, he is a very smart guy. But it's more of like a basketball IQ, I guess that's the the correct term for it. <laughs> um, so he basically slows down in games like when he has to read the floor um I I guess it's because like he either gets like caught up with trying to like visualize everything but basically what Kevin basically says is that he should be simplified to essentially a much simpler role um pretty much just like rim protection rim running like nothing super flashy nothing super technical anything like that um he also has a very pretty weak handle which limits him off the dribble he can miss some open cuts and deliver some inaccurate passes. Um, he's also pretty slow on the perimeter due to lack of quickness and shoddy footwork. He can get blown by pretty quickly. Um, he also can be a little bit late rotating. So he does have some defensive liabilities, but he also makes up for it by being seven one. He can be a great rim protector provided that he can work on his, his basketball IQ, being able to read the floor a little bit better. I, I would agree with having him like in a simpler role at this point in time, especially like if he can't keep up with the pace of the NBA, especially when you're playing against professionals coming straight out of if when you're coming straight out of college. Um, can definitely see him being a vital aspect for the for the Hornets. Basically, at this point in time, there's two teams that really covet him. I mean, most teams really do, but the only teams that really have a chance of snagging him are either the Golden State Warriors or the Charlotte Hornets. Um, so, Kevin makes note of the fact that this trade kind of resembles the one in 2017 between the Celtics and the Sixers, where the Sixers drafted Markel Fultz and the Celtics drafted Jason Tatum. Um, pretty pretty clear how that one turned out. Um, hopefully, this time it's working. It would, it would work better for the Charlottes if they did go ahead and decide to do that. Um, I think that's pretty much it for James Wiseman. I mean, just if you want to get a real real sense of what this dude can do... Just watch some footage like he he flies through the air. He is absolutely incredible, incredibly fun to watch as well. I mean, that's all I really have to say about him. With the second pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Golden State Warriors select Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Um, once again, I've also seen footage of this guy. I mean, I'm probably going to keep repeating that. I've watched the top 10. I've already mentioned that, um, but he is. Also similar to Wiseman in the sense that he is an athletic marvel. He is—he's a guard. He's six five, but he's basically built like an NBA player already. Um, super strong guy. He can finish at the rim with ease. He can get to the rim with ease. He can shoot a three. Um, there was one game I think I can't remember who they were playing, but they were down. Um, I think it was like the the Maui gym or Maui something. I can't really remember, but. He was hitting, like, threes, like, left and right. Like, this dude was on fire. I I can't, could not believe, like, the type of shots this dude was putting up. Um, he's a pretty dynamic shot maker off the dribble. He can do some pretty complex stuff with his moves. Uh, he's uh, insane in transition. I mean, if this dude has the ball in transition, like, you really don't stand a chance. He's super quick. He can blow right by you. Um, top it all top it all off he's a solid passer I mean he's not like um, incredibly gifted with court vision but he definitely can execute some basic reads to shooters and cutters and of course just given alone by the fact that he's massive and super strong he can potentially be a super versatile defender so let's go ahead and start talking about some of his minuses Um, he's not necessarily a pure shooter in some mismatch cases he can put up some pretty frustrating shots um, I think it'd be really beneficial for him to, once he gets in the NBA, just to kind of learn when to when to drive, when to put up a shot. I mean, I'm sure he already has a basic understanding of it. He's already one of the top players in college right now, um, but I think it would be really beneficial if he just, like, tempered his shot a little bit. Um, He's best suited for a multi-ball handler system next to a pass-first player because of his underwhelming playmaking instincts. Like I mentioned, he's pretty solid as a passer, but he doesn't necessarily... Possess that sort of like Chris Paul level playmaking vision that some of the other players in this draft possess. Um, he can struggle as an off ball defender at times. He can lack focus and lose track of his man. He can put up some inconsistent effort at times. He can disappear on both offense and defense. Um, these are all things that can be tempered by a good coach. Basically, just kind of learning to get adjusted to a game, especially when it gets as fast paced as it does in the professional league. And finally, his fundamentals and effort need to improve when he's defending on ball. His lockdown flashes are mired by far too many far too many moments of apathy. Pretty much a lot of the things that Edwards is struggling with right now can be corrected by a fairly decent coach. Um, lack of effort, just knowing where to be on defense, um, ensuring that he has like a good playmaking mentality, knowing when to put up shots, when to drive, things like that. Those are all pretty much things that I think can be ironed out by, especially a top-tier coach, I think, like Steve Kerr, um, if he goes to the Warriors. I mean, yeah, it, it makes note of the fact that if Wiseman's off the table, because that's who Golden State's like most primarily targeting, they'll most likely go with Edwards just because they can, he can grow in a system. He has elite upside potential on defense and can de- develop his offensive habits. I mean, honestly, if you can pair... Any, any player with the potential of developing next to Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, you're going to have a good team, um, especially if you can get him to develop into a star player. At, maybe not necessarily to their caliber, but at least a starting level player. I think they're going to be in a good running. Uh, I think especially if they can pick up someone like Edwards or Wiseman, which obviously they can. They're the number two pick. They can get one of them at least. I think Golden State's going to be a really good position next year. With the number three pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, after trading down uh, their first pick to the Hornets, the Timberwolves select Denny Avidia from Israel. Um, this is something that might come as a shock to some people. I know LaMelo Ball is especially projected to be within the top three. Um, we'll get to LaMelo pretty shortly, don't worry about that. Um but yeah, the author make note, makes note of the fact that you really don't need to put LaMelo around Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Basically, with this pick, what the Timberwolves are trying to do is just get a versatile defender with somebody who can be a solid playmaker and a ball handler. Um, you don't necessarily need like the, the rawness and the the sheer like playmaking ability of LaMelo in a team like this. So I can agree with that. So let's go ahead and get into some of the pluses. Um, like I said, he's a great playmaker, especially for a forward. He is six foot nine. Uh, he's savvy in the pick and roll. Rarely makes mistakes. Locates cut and shooters pretty well. a uh, Solid ball handler, especially at six foot nine for someone of his height. Knows how to change speeds and with enough aptitude to clear up some room for his passes. He's a strong finisher who can use either hand and score through contact. Um, author makes note of the fact that he loves to pump fake. He can drive fearlessly into the paint, challenge rim protectors. Team defender can know when to rotate. And also plenty of good intangibles, such as knowing how to use his strength, um, and takes pretty analytic-friendly shots like threes and layups. So I mean, yeah, like just just watching some of his some of his performances, um, you can really see all of that. I mean, dude can score effortlessly if you give him enough space, um, and even if you don't, he can drive right through. Like the author makes makes mention of, he. Is a very good playmaker i mean some of the passes that he could pull off um some of his games in israel i mean they were just unreal um definitely not like elite level but i mean they were definitely up there in terms of like skill some of his minuses include uh, worrisome shooting his form is solid but some of his percentages are pretty lackluster for example from three he's shooting 33.6 and from the free throw line he's shooting 52 percent which definitely isn't something that's good um normally a low free throw shooting percentage is kind of indicative of a player who doesn't have that much potential to increase their shot there's always um there can always be exceptions to the rule of course but there really is no historical precedent for a player with his numbers of free throw percentage shooting to ever become a reliable shooter I mean, it's always possible, but the prospects definitely don't look likely unless he can get a really solid coach to basically develop him entirely into a, in a brand-new shooter. Um, he doesn't really have the top-end like burst to get past players uh, with his quickness, so he needs to really master his ball handling and maximize just basically his ability to create space. He's very active on ball, but he lacks lateral quickness, like I just mentioned, to contain quicker players. Um, and he also lacks the length to be an effective rim protector. Um, he's six foot nine. He's a forward. So definitely not, you could, you could definitely run him as center on a small, small ball lineup, but he may just be relegated to running that sort of like help defense role, um, which as the author makes note of, he's not like super decent at, um, but all in all, I mean, this could be a really valuable addition to Timberwolves, um, They've had lots of issues in the past few years. I mean, um, having the first round pick is definitely going to be useful for them. Even if they don't trade down, they could easily snag a player like uh, Wiseman or Edwards to try to develop them in that sort of powerhouse to put behind Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. But I mean, without having a superstar, like I've mentioned, it may be pretty grim for them. So that might explain why they, made, they might decide to trade down and decide to take their chances with the lower pick. And finally, the moment you've all been waiting for with the number four pick, the Chicago Bulls select LaMelo Ball from the Illawarra Hawks. So apparently the Bulls are targeting a lead playmaker in the draft, and LaMelo is by far the most talented passer in the class. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> There's not really too much else to him. Um, he's ex- excellent at passing. He's excellent at ball handling. He can finish pretty decently at the rim. And besides that, I mean, he's just kind of like this player that teams can just mold him in, into whatever they want him to be. He's very. He could be very versatile. He could be an easy addition to a team and developed into a excellent playmaker, um, which I think is a, why a lot of people have him going so highly ranked in the draft even though there's a bunch of people who are also arguing against him the fact that like his shooting is awful he's going to be just like Lonzo kind of just like relegated to be like nothing but a passer but there's definitely some hope for him um he's an ambidextrous passer with pinpoint accuracy and omnidirectional omnidirec- vision um really just testified to the fact that he can really he can get a lot done I mean one of the p- clips that I saw of him was this insane play where he drove to the rim, um, switched hands by going behind his back, and then once again switched back behind his back, but it was a pass to, a, to I think, the center, and I mean, it's it's very difficult to see passes like that coming out of um, an 18-year-old who hasn't even entered the league yet. I mean, it's, it's insane. Dude has amazing court vision, and... He's, yeah, he's not, he doesn't really even need to be, he doesn't even need to be like developed into a good pass or anything. He already is. I mean, you can work on his playmaking, I guess, but that's just about the extent of it. Um, Excellent ball handler. He can use hesitations a ton. He always remains in pace, um, very in control of the tempo of the game. He can be pretty good as an off ball player. He cuts and adjusts to space behind the arc. Very good for rebounding for his position and he's a pretty versatile defender. He can move quick laterally and he's quite large for a point guard at six, seven. Um, He has the sides to comfortably switch onto wings if necessary. So some of the minuses, um, he can't really be classified as a great playmaker yet because of his decision making. He can put up some really poor shots way too early in the shot clock. um, And he settles really fairly often um, instead of attacking the rim when he should. His shooting mechanics, just like Lonzo, are pretty abysmal. He has no consistency, just a low release. Um, He has pretty decent free throw percentages, um, shooting about 72% from the line, which is definitely not bad. Um, Definitely has the potential to be put into not necessarily like an elite shooter role, but he can definitely get his shot developed for sure. But he also doesn't really initiate contact. He tries to avoid it around the rim and he can lose discipline on defense. He doesn't really stay in his defensive stance and he can usually switch instead of like fighting over screens and falling out of position when when chasing steals. I mean, all in all, LaMelo is probably gonna be the one to watch um, when everything's all said and done, no matter where he ends up on a team. He definitely has a huge upside, um, especially if he can keep up his elite playmaking and passing performances. As long as he can hold that up, he can be a really sta- staple addition to pretty much any team. It What really remains to be seen is whether or not he can develop into that sort of, like, elite um, score as well. And if he can keep up his, like, defensive consistency. Those are the two things that really should be paid attention to in the future. With the fifth pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Obi Toppin from Dayton, Ohio. Um... He's also a big, he's 6'9", he is (laughs) similar to Wiseman in the sense that like just watching him, like you get this sense of like athletic marvel like at watching what this dude can do. He, some of the dunks that I saw him like pull off in college are just like, like whoa. (laughs) Um, Incredibly gifted athletically, he can glide through the air, he's a major threat in the pick and roll. Um, He also has a pretty soft touch for someone of his size. He's actually also pretty decent from three-point range um, definitely not bad at it I mean he can definitely hit shots outside the arc when necessary um, definitely pretty good at shooting the shooting the three for for a big uh, most definitely he's a nimble ball handler who can attack the perimeter he can also act as a strong playmaker he can make quick decisions out of the short roll and can develop into a strong playmaking hub from the post and of course just based upon his pure size and athleticism alone he can have the um, theoretical capability to be a really effective shot blocker. In terms of some of his minuses, um, he has a lot to be desired in terms of defense. He doesn't really know what to do when when he's faced with a screen. He's almost always out of the position. It's a very high center of gravity that limits his defensive ability in the post. Um, He can't really change directions very well laterally. So if he gets attacked one-on-one by a quicker defender, he's basically getting a quicker quicker attacker he's basically getting blown by and he also just overall doesn't have a lot of low low post scoring moves and his raw shooting off the dribble basically whatever team picks him up is going to have to drill 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 on his defense that's the biggest overall issue with him because overall as a scorer like the dude is already nba level he is performing exceedingly well he just has the pure athleticism to get by um whether it be from the three whether it be at the post. If he can just work on the defense of his, he can develop into a really solid player. So for the number six pick, we actually have another trade. Uh, it's currently held by the Atlanta Hawks, but in this hypothetical situation, they trade that for DeMar DeRozan and number 11 uh, from the San Antonio Spurs. I honestly don't know how I feel about this trade. Um, I don't really think it's a good idea to be sending DeMar DeRozan just for a slight upgrade especially in a draft class that is kind of this lackluster um of course we'll get into some of the reasons like why they would want Isaac Okoro but yeah I really don't think you should give up DeMar DeRozan especially he's still putting up what like 22 points per game I think he can still be a really valuable uh, asset for the Spurs and I'm not sure that doing this trade would be in their best interest but obviously I'm not a general manager I could be wrong um We'll, we'll see if it happens or not. It's definitely interesting to think about. Um, I guess the reason why um, the author posits the fact, that the reason they would want this player is the fact that he's really reminiscent of Kawhi Leonard. And as you probably know, the Spurs drafted Kawhi, or they traded for Kawhi after he was drafted back in 2011. And they have a really similar play style. They're both excellent defenders. Um... Pretty solid on the offense as well, definitely not amazing, Um, but they're definitely really solid, especially on the interior. He's a great finisher who can deliver through contact, he can draw fouls, has a really soft touch, pretty solid decision maker, he can move the ball, run, pick, and roll, doesn't force bad shots, he has really good handles, he can do crossovers, spins, hesitations, he's very versatile as an on-ball defender with the strength to battle bigger players, and he has a lot of fundamentals, quickness, and intelligence to play on the perimeter, and Finally, is just really high IQ. Is a competitive defender who can excel with the team concept by rotating well and disrupting opponents' actions. Really reminiscent of Kawhi Leonard. Just like reading through that, I mean, having someone who can just play excellent defense and also be a menace on offense. Um, maybe not to the extent that Kawhi Leonard is today. I mean, he's his numbers aren't awful. He's um, putting up 16.3. Uh, points per game, or per, per 40, um, he gets two assists per 40, or no, per game in that case, whoops. Uh, I guess the biggest downside would be the fact that his three-point percentage is at 28.6% right now, so probably not the type of person you want if you're looking for someone who you you want just like a 3 and D player, um, but I don't think that's really what the Spurs are looking for at this point. Some of his minuses include the fact that he's kind of a stiff shooter with clumpy clunky mechanics. Um, his shot... Just watching it, it's pretty weird. Um, No offense to him. Um, And I guess it shows in the fact that his three-point set is just so abysmal. Um, I guess it really makes up for it by the fact that he has, like, a really good touch around the rim. But he's definitely not suited to be that sort of outside perimeter shooter. He's a non-factor off the dribble. He is a pretty subpar free throw shooter. So, yeah, his jumper probably isn't going to be developed super well and he doesn't really have a lot of quickness or burst on drives to the rim so some of his shot creating ability may never translate to the nba all in all i can definitely see him going especially in the top 10 um i don't really know about the trade like i mentioned but it is certainly a possibility and definitely remains to be seen whether or not it happens with the seventh pick in the draft the detroit Pistons select tyrese halliburton from iowa state The Pistons really got screwed over this draft by getting a lottery pick so low. Um, I mean, the Pistons haven't been good for a very, very long time. Um, Currently, their team's basically centered around Blake Griffin and um, D-Rose. And, of course, both those players have been hobbled by injuries. Definitely not still looking great for the future of their team. This past season, once again, they were abysmal. Um... And having a draft this low in a draft class that's this week is definitely not ideal for them. However, according to scouts, they do want a playmaker, and Tyrese Halpert can easily provide that role. He's generally always in control. He can use really excellent speed and explosiveness coupled with really excellent uh, gear changes to throw defenders off balance. He takes long strides on drives to the rim, has excellent timing when gathering his dribble, He's a creative playmaker with amazing vision. He can do ambidextrous passes. He can manipulate defenders with his eyes, dribble on the pick and roll, and he has really solid accuracy with each of his passes. And he, overall, he just does a lot of the little things on the court. He has very smart defensive rotations, and he can make really rapid decisions on the floor to keep the offense flowing. Basically, definitely filling that sort of like playmaker role for the team. I mean, you have the... Ability of Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin, who prior to their injuries both displayed flashes of excellence, um, less so now just by the fact of the unfortunateness of their situation. So Tyrese can really provide that role the Detroit Pistons sorely need in in a playmaker. Um, Some of his minuses include the lack of athleticism that he has, and he doesn't really fulfill the role as a primary shot creator. Even though he's a pretty good spot up shooter and he has pretty solid range, he may not necessarily fulfill that primary scoring role. I think he'll most likely be relegated to that sort of playmaker role, like I mentioned. He generally avoids contact at the rim, forcing him to settle for tough layups. He's made progress off the dribble as a sophomore, but still doesn't shoot super well. Um, His man-to-man defense is pretty lackluster. He stands in too much of an upright stance and moves laterally laterally on his heels, and he takes poor angles fighting around screens. All in all, um, for a guard, I think the Pistons really can't do much worse, especially with their position. I really doubt they have the assets or the, the want to trade up in the draft. So I think Tyrese could be a really valuable addition to their team, especially if they are really looking for someone to sort of facilitate their offense and be molded upon by by their coaching staff to develop someone who can sort of just like lead the floor in times that they really need it. With the eighth pick in the draft, the New York Knicks select Killian Hayes. The Knicks are another team that really got screwed over by the draft, again, um, a team that is doomed to mediocrity, they've been awful for forever, um, not not literally forever, but for a very, very long time, um, and having the number 8th pick, yeah, it's obviously not ideal. However, this is really interesting because... The author of this list actually ranks Killian as the top-ranked prospect in the entire draft and can be an absolute steal for the Knicks if they can get him at number eight. Um, very surprisingly, I mean, yeah, I'm surprised he fell this far. Um, dude is, he's phenomenal. He can do pretty much everything. He's a solid playmaker. He has amazing shooting capabilities. Um, shades of, like, D'Angelo, Russo, and monroe Ginobili. He could really bring everything that the Knicks could need into one into one package. His playmaking is, best, is his best skill. He can whip around passes off the dribble. He's also a very creative pick and roll facilitator. He can get where he wants and knows how to manipulate defenses to create passing angles and openings to score. He's a fluid ball handler with a size to outmuscle smaller guards coming in at a weight of 215 pounds at a height of 6'5". Um, he has an excellent touch with his left hand to finish difficult floaters and runners. He initiate through contact very well, he displays major potential as an off the dribble three-point shooter, his step-back is absolutely phenomenal, and he's an absolute menace off the ball, and could easily develop into a disruptive defensive helper. Um, his biggest issue is definitely the fact that he's incredibly left-hand dominant. He rarely uses his right hand at all, really limits some of his scoring capabilities, really limits some of his passing capabilities. He also lacks a lot of burst and bounce, which can also hinder his finishing ability, which is, yeah, it's made even worse by the fact that he doesn't use his right hand. It severely limits the amount of options that he has at the rim. He lacks an advanced handle. He picks up his driven far too often. He's shifty, but he doesn't really create a lot of separation. And he occasionally has some lapses on defense and missing rotations and falling on his on-ball stance. And overall, he just needs to be more vocal as a lead guard to take better command of the team. Yeah, I mean, if he can just work on the left hand thing, that's just watching some clips of him, that's obviously one of the biggest hindrances that he has. When he's when he's using his left hand, of course, like he's absolutely amazing, especially on offense. But it may run the same issue that Harden runs into, where the fact that teams basically play him off the left hand super hard. And in that case, if he can't use his right hand, he's essentially minimizes the threat. So ensuring that he really develops using that right hand would be incredibly instrumental for any team that drafts him. Other than that, though, he's pretty much the complete package. He's amazing on offense, he's solid as a playmaker, he's passable on defense, easily could get work get some work done on that, but he's definitely able to make it work. Um, overall, I think if he if he really does slide to eighth, that would be a steal for the Knicks and could definitely help their prospects for the future. With the ninth pick of the draft, the Washington Wizards select Onyeka Okongwu from USC. Apparently, the Wizards are looking for a big in this draft, and at this point, he's pretty much undeniably the best one available. The best way to think about this guy is essentially Bam Adebayo Lite. Um, very, very similar play styles. Um, dude is ferocious in the paint. Very solid defender. Um, he's an excellent finisher with soft hands. He can catch tough passes. He has a really soft touch around the rim. And yeah, just like Bam, this dude can fly through the air and slam it down in your face. Uh, absolutely insane what this dude's capable of. Really good scoring in the post. Uh, he can do a nice job of getting into position by sealing off defenders. He can handle the ball like a wink and do spins, drop steps, fakes. Um, crossovers, rip throughs. He doesn't overdo it though. He makes good decisions and plays within himself. Some of his passes are also insane. He just needs to be a little bit more reactive when it comes to like reading off rolls and passing uh, from the perimeter. But I mean, he's only nineteen. He has plenty of time to develop that. Does a lot of little things like hustling, screening, rebounding, rebounding all over the floor and making plenty of clutch plays. Do- doing a lot of things just to contribute to being a really good overall team player. And of course he's an excellent pick and roll defender, he's very mobile, versatile, he can drop switch or hedge, and he really has just excellent positioning and timing instincts to lead to effective shot alterations. He's almost always in the right spot, which is pretty rare for someone who is his age, and of course it's only going to get better over time. Some of his downsides include the fact that some of his shooting mechanics from the field are pretty inconsistent, and from the line, you can have some bad misses, but just... Given the fact that he has an amazing touch on the inside, offers plenty of room for improvement. He's pretty quiet on the defensive end. He definitely needs to be a lot more talkative if he wants to be sort of the um, central force for the team as a presence in the paint. And he's also slightly under undersized for a center. He's only six foot nine, and has a seven foot one wingspan. Definitely, if he's going against someone like Joel Embiid or even Bam Adebayo, he's probably going to get bullied around. So if he could just bulk up and get a little bit stronger, he can definitely handle them a lot better. And, I mean, this is pretty just a smaller thing, but he chases a lot of blocks and bites on plenty of fakes on the inside. So just learning to sort of adapt to that would be really beneficial to him. All in all, uh, I think he's an amazing prospect. I think just watching him and just reading up about everything he does right he has a ton going for him and a lot of the stuff that he doesn't have going for him can be easily fixed I genuinely think that this dude is going to be a terror when he gets the NBA of course you always have to see um but I definitely do think this is a really solid pick for the Wizards with the 10th pick of the draft the Phoenix Suns select Devin Vassell from Florida State um Vassell's pretty interesting one, Um, especially there was a recent video that surfaced of him displaying this sort of like new shooting mechanic that he picked up, and I mean, it works for him, but it's also very weird, Um, definitely not what a coach wants to work with, or maybe the coach changed it to be that, I really have no idea, but it's definitely not sort of your typical shooting form, Um, could bode probably won't bode well probably is not a very good thing but i mean it remains to be seen overall the biggest thing that he has going for him is just his defense he is an amazing defender um he just needs to work on his offense pretty much um he can immediately help any nba rotation he's hyper alert on rotations he can disrupt opponents actions with timely digs and deter shooters from firing with fundamental closeouts does not stop hustling very very important aspect on defense, just to remain committed to the game. Even when a play seems over, he'll remain committed to it. He's impactful. He's very impactful when he's on ball uh, as a defender. He has the right blend of agility and length to defend guards and wings. He just needs to get a little bit stronger. He's a good spot up shooter with a high release, and he can display awareness of knowing when to move and cut off the ball. He's really excelled at developing his uh, off the dribble jump shot. Especially from being a freshman, um, as a sophomore, he's done an excellent job of making sure he's developed out a lot, and he also displays a high-level passing vision for a wing, even though he won't be the primary ball handler in the Phoenix Suns. Um, some of his minuses: he lacks the burst to beat defenders off the dribble and get to the rim, and even if he does get to the paint, he'll struggle struggle, struggle to finish against contact. Um, this also is coupled by the fact that he has a really wiry wiry frame; he can limit his versatility against larger, stronger opponents. And he's not a very dynamic shooter off the catch, but given his recent improvements, it may be something that's correctable and may only get better with time. Overall, um, I think this would really be a good uh, addition to the Suns. I'm not super familiar with their team. Um, of course, the Bubble Suns were immaculate in the in the um uh continuation of the season this year. So picking up someone like Vassal just to be able to like act as a Solid defender with the capability to be a, a secondary or tertiary shooting threat would be incredibly instrumental to the team. All right, everybody, that wraps up the top 10 draft picks, and I think we're gonna have to call it there. Um, I was initially planning on doing all 30 picks uh in this mock draft, but yeah, we can we can see that <laughs> I figured I could spend like a lot less time on each individual player, but that def- definitely didn't happen, so I think we're gonna go ahead and call it with 10 definitely gonna be a really interesting draft to watch um yeah i mean all of this is definitely subject to change um thank you very much to kevin o'connor for creating this mock draft um yeah i mean definitely going to be really interesting to see i feel like i've used the, the phrase really interesting like at least 50 times during this entire segment um yeah apologies if anyone else noticed that um my bad. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun draft to watch. All this is subject to change. Definitely going to want to watch to see like how these rankings kind of compare, like what actually happens because like in a draft like this, everything is subject to change. Um, yeah, I mean, that just about covers it for the draft. So for these last couple of minutes, um, I don't really have an NBA rapper for this week. Um, (laughs) I guess that'll be something I just kind of like do is as it comes to me, I guess. Um, but yeah, let's let's shift away from the rebound side of things going to the records. Um I guess for this week I just want to talk about some of the albums that I've been listening to. Um Yeah, I've been delving into my like Spotify discovery this past week like super heavily. Like these albums they're recommending to me are like popping off. I'm not going to lie. Um this first one I found called Citrus by Asobi Seksu. Um apologies if I butchered that name, but it's a Japanese vaporwave album or not vaporwave, um album. I don't know why I always mix those two words up. Like, they're not the same genre, like, at all. Um, very different, but I guess the name is just similar. Um, it's super, super fun, very poppy album. Um, yeah, I'm loving it so far. Some of these songs are complete bangers. Um, and, yeah, the shift from, like, some songs in Japanese, some songs in English. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me because, like, when I listen to, like, Shoegaze, I'm just, like, vibing to the melody, you know? but yeah, fantastic album, really glad that I found it, um, another shoegaze album that I've been listening to is *Series* and Calypso in the Deep Time, um, actually got recommended this by KVRX's own Jacob Zenner, uh, shout out, um, yeah, another, another, um, shoegaze album, amazing, the first half of this album is just, like, pure bliss, I mean, I'm just, like, I'm loving every second of it, um, yeah, the opening two songs especially, like, there's something about those melodies that are just like, whoa. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> not too much I really have to say. I mean, I just really love listening to this album. Um, very, very solid. Next up, I've been listening to uh, Haunt You Forever by Ricky Eat Acid. Um, sort of like this, I guess I'd describe it as, like, kind of glitch pop, Um it's like electronic I guess. Like I'm not really sure like what genre it would be, but like it's it's all instrumentals, um a few samples here and there, but I'm I'm really loving it. It's like this very it's um something about the production. I mean, it's just so like fun to listen to. Um especially beautiful girls. I mean, I think that's the most popular song on the album. Um might have heard of it, but I mean, yeah, I'm just there's something about like the way these tracks are produced, I'm just like falling in love. Um I find myself like listening to this like constantly. Definitely an amazing album. Um I mean besides that I've been going I've been going through my regular rotation. Listening to some some Day Glow, of course. Uh shout out Austin Native, um phenomenal guy. He I was gonna see him in concert until COVID screwed everything up. Um but yeah, dude is absolutely amazing, incredibly talented. Besides that, uh, yeah, I mean, that's those are pretty much, like, the main things I've been listening to, and just, like, playlists and stuff. But, yeah, that just about covers it for this week. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We have a special guest coming on to discuss the upcoming free agency and start of the NBA season. It's going to be very, very fun to listen to, so don't want to miss it. <laughs> um, and, yeah, thank you very much for listening to Records and Rebounds on KBRX Austin HD1 and HD2, and have a great week.